Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Hyman, coming to you live 1016 at night on Thursday. Uh, by the time everybody's listening to this, I uh, hope everybody's well into your Friday and having a fantastic Friday as we go into the weekend. I know I'll be having a great day tomorrow. Uh, JV season kicks off 730 tomorrow night, home game against Marion. Friday, we'll be taking on West Florence, the nasty nights from across town at 1 o'clock, assuming the weather holds off. Varsity kicks off Monday against Andrews on the road, followed by a home game on Tuesday against Manning. So we've got a lot of baseball coming up over the next couple days. Real fired up, real excited. Um, So probably going to be tough to get any writings or podcasts out next week. Um, Might have a chance during the day Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Um, So... You know, take that for what it's worth. You guys get a little break from me, but it's episode six. We're uh, churning these things out pretty good. Um, before I get started, the title of this, the article I just finished writing, is transactional coaching versus transformational coaching. You'll kind of see a common theme with me um, through the social media channels, through the website, through the Substack. Like I got a logo made it's transformational coaching build better athletes coaches and people that's kind of that's going to be the business model i say business model that's that's the model of of what we're going for um everything we talk about i say everything i'm i'm kind of like little in the middle right now so tuesdays are going to become tactical tuesdays all right so i'm going to release a newsletter every tuesday that gives you um you guys saw the format last Tuesday. That's more player and coach specific or parents that have questions about various aspects of the game, but I'm only going to link coaches that, you know, in my opinion, are top notch that provide good content and are growing the game. So that's what Tactical Tuesday is. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I do want to do some series on, like, at South Lawrence, I coach base running and, and outfield play. Um we're going to do some stuff like that. Like, I feel like maybe I'll do a core principles of outfield play, um, principles of base run and stuff like that. We'll add some of that in, but starting very soon, um, we're going to start rolling out some interviews that I've been conducting with other coaches. Um, I'm trying to get everybody from South Lawrence to do an interview. I know Coach Gray's agreed. Rhodes is a coach. Uh, Dickerson's agreed. Coach Allison's agreed. I need to talk to Coach Scott and Timo and some of the other guys. Um, you know, because I just think they're good. They're good men. Number one, so they fall right in line with what we're trying to accomplish here with the whole transformational coaching concept. Um, and two, I I think a lot of times as parents, as fans of the game, as people that have kids that go to other schools, I think it's easy to look at what a program's doing and really just have no idea um, about the quality of the men leading the program. I, I've said this a hundred times. We've got great kids. Okay. Phenomenal kids. I wouldn't trade our kids for anybody. Um, but we got damn good coaches too. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, from a development of men's standpoint, I would put our coaching staff up against anybody in the country. No doubt about it. So, um, started a Facebook page today. I'm again, I'm, I'm new to all this stuff. So you're going to get a lot of weird invites from me. Um, I've said this a couple times, but six months from now, it's probably gonna look totally different. Um, 
I'm trying to keep the content consistent. So whether you're getting it on Facebook, redirecting you to Substack or the website, or it's on Substack or it's on the website, whatever it is, um, it's the same content. So you're not missing any, missing out on anything. Um, you know, there's not going to be any content on one that's not on the other. Um, I guess really for you is you choose your best platform for, for viewing stuff, but I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, one of my best friends from high school, Sean McBride. So uh, me and Sean played high school baseball together. Uh, his parents kind of they didn't raise me because I, you know, I I got I had parents that raised me, but you know, I spent a lot of time at the McBride household. So you know, but you know, went on vacations with his family and, and all that. They're great people. Um, Bob and Bev, Sean and Philip. Um, Sean reached out to me today and was like, dude, I enjoy listening to your stuff. So, um, gave me a couple of pointers. Sean was top notch, like, you know, cool guy. Um, but I, I tell our players is he, I, we actually use him as an example sometimes. So players, if you're listening, this is, this is who we're talking about. But, you know, Sean actually like in the middle of the fall was like, oh, I want to play baseball at Carolina while he was up there going to school. And uh, he went out there. Coach Tanner was still the coach. Went out there and fallen out. He like I think he made the team, but then was like, eh, I think I still want to be a college athlete. But or I want to be a college student, not an athlete. I, I don't. He would have to tell you a story, but I mean, if he didn't make the team, he made it to like the last day back when you could still walk on to a college program. But I mean, they were like that was around the time they were winning college World Series and stuff like that, close to it. So. Um, but the thing, I, I, the thing Sean McBride did better than anybody is he played the game like a bull in a China sh- in a China shop, legit. Like that dude, every pitch went balls to the wall, all out. Didn't matter if he was playing shortstop, right field, whatever. I mean, it helped that he had a hose for an arm and he could swing the stick. But um, see, a lot of people have those tools and those gifts, and they don't utilize them correctly like they don't sell out enough Sean McBride that guy sold out every single pitch um so lesson be learned there but my point is Sean thanks for the uh the shout out for the uh encouragement earlier um I appreciate it proud of you man where you're at in life you're doing some big things so um you know and he's just one of many uh that have provided feedback and provided support and I can't thank you guys enough for that I'm not trying to make it big time or anything like this from a podcasting, internet stuff. I'm just trying to get a message out that I think is important to young people, important to coaches, important to parents. Um, And whatever comes of it, that's what comes of it. But that's not, you know, the purpose we're doing. The purpose is, you know, we have an obligation as people to try to leave the world better than we found it. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, anyways, without further ado... um, what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, the article that's going to be recent, released in the morning, this will be attached to it. It's called Transactional Coaching versus Transformational Coaching. And this story is really significant to me um, as a coach because what I'm about to tell you is very personal. Um, I got I, There's two personal stories I'm going to tell you at some point. I'm about to tell one of them now. Uh, the other one I'm not ready to tell because it includes a lot of stuff a lot of people don't know about me. And uh, – but I'm not ashamed of it because of who I am today. It helped shape me to be that guy. Uh, it helped me get here. 
uh, with with a lot of help from the right people too. But you know, I don't think you should shy away from the, your stories in life that lead you to a better path. But I'm not ready to tell that story yet. But and this is a tough story to tell too because for what I think I am today as a coach, and I, and I don't think I'm a great coach by any means, but I do feel good about the relationship I have with our players, um, what I do for them as young men. I, I, I don't – I'm not confident about that. I just – I know in my heart. I just know that – and I got a big enough sample size to know that, you know, the things we're doing works. But um, it – you know, I always say that I've been coaching for six years, but the reality of the situation is I've actually been coaching for ten years. Um, you know, I, I started – coaching when my kid was he's 17 now so you know about the time he was seven he was at Greenwood um that first team he played on had Aiden Palmer on it who I now coach it had Hunter Matthews on it who I coach um those guys are seniors now um trying to think who else I can't remember if there's anybody else who's on our varsity team now maybe Landon Matthews can't remember but anyways um where I was 10 years ago uh, and it's funny because, like, me and Brian Matthews, Hunter's dad, we've talked about this before. You know, me and him had a little <laughs> – back when Hunter was younger playing at Greenwood, we <laughs> we had a little disagreement about something. I don't remember what it was. But I, I think if you ask Brian Matthews who I was then versus who I am now, I think he would probably tell you, like, yeah, I don't know if I would have let that guy back then coach my kid today. Um and I don't know many people today who would allow me to coach their kids if I was how I was back then. So this story is really kind of my journey from all about me to all about them. That's kind of the the gist here. So I'm going to talk about it. It's Some of it's very embarrassing. I'm not ashamed of it anymore, but it's, you know, it can be uncomfortable to talk about. So, but anyways, my journey to coaching started about 10 years ago, um, my oldest son was playing at Greenwood. I remember a lady by the name of Barbara Poston. She was his first coach, her and her husband. Um, God, what was Barbara's husband's name? I can't remember his name. He was an umpire. Jimmy. Jimmy. Great guy. Um, most of you kids probably remember Mr. Jimmy. But anyways, and I remember me and my wife were there um, sitting down watching the first practice, and Mr. Jimmy walks over and he says, Hey, uh, we need some help. You're coaching. So me and this guy named Scott Goda. Scott's not with us anymore. He was an old Marine. He passed away at a, I think he had a glioblastoma. It was real, real unfortunate, but he's a great guy. But, um, so we go out there and we help. And, uh, you know, the ego side, I'm not afraid to admit this now. The ego side of me was like, this woman coaching my kid, like, she doesn't know anything. It just, it's embarrassing. So, Ms. Barber, if you're listening, you know, I know. It, it was nothing personal. It was just me being a young guy who thought I knew everything and, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of things that she did that I was like, she doesn't know. She Anyways, I was that assistant coach behind the scenes who felt like you needed to trash the head coach um, when a bunch of seven-year-olds weren't making plays. It's just ridiculous when you look back at it. But I don't really count those years um, because I didn't feel like I really – my coaching journey really started until – I got to high school uh, and was coaching then. But the truth is it did start, and it started off as me being a transactional coach. Um, You know, it was all about me. 
as we progressed from rec ball to travel ball and all that, you know, it became all about wins and losses and, you know, making sure those kids on the field were making me look good. You know, I didn't want to look like an idiot. Oh, golly, these kids are out here making errors. I'm a terrible coach. I don't want people thinking I'm a terrible coach. So, you know, when you start making it all about you, you become Johnny Testosterone a little bit, do a lot of yelling, um, do a lot of stuff that's borderline verbally abusive. Um, and uh, it was sad. I mean, it was embarrassing, you know. I'm out here with a bunch of kids at like a really critical time in their development and I could care less about what I was making them feel like. Um, you know, they make an error, losing my mind. They strike out against somebody, losing my mind. Um, it was bad. And to, I said this a few minutes ago, but I really don't know why anybody was okay with me coaching their kid back then. Um, because I mean, I wasn't even I wasn't even qualified qualified to coach my own my own son back then. So, you know, I'm embarrassed to say it today, but uh, it was the attitude that I took back then that drove my oldest son out of the game. Um, you know, I he's never really admitted this, um, but when I think back over his time playing baseball, whether it was rec ball or travel ball, um, those should have been some of the best memories of his life. And as a family, we never sit around our house and talk about the memories from him playing baseball. We don't just don't do it. Um, and a lot of that is because I ruined what should have been really good times for a, for a kid. Uh, that, you know, should have just been, like, having fun. I'm out there putting a massive amount of pressure on an 11-, 10-year-old to perform. Like, that has any, you know, meaning on the rest of his life. So, it was it was bad. Um, but it's an important part of my journey. So, you know, I've got to talk about it, but... You know, it's, uh, I'm more proud of Jack, that's my oldest son, than anybody, and it, you know, because he's a phenomenal brother, he's a phenomenal son, he's a great student, great golfer, great teammate, great, great, a lot of things, tremendous work ethic, I mean, the drive that he has, the things that he, he does to try to, like, perfect his craft, like, he's the type kid, if you were coaching him, and, and I'm gonna brag on him for me. If you were if you were coaching him, he's the type of kid you root for. I can think of some kids in our program now that like I look in the same light. I say, dude, I just want that kid to be successful. I'll give you one. James McElveen. James McElveen's in our baseball program. James McElveen, I've there's not a single person on this planet who's not rooting for James McElveen every time he comes to play or shows up at the field. It's not possible. Like Everybody's rooting for him. So Jack's the same way. Um, so anyways, um, that's kind of that. Uh, I was wrong for being that way. Okay. It just, there's no other, there's no other way to put it. Um, but some things happened to me that kind of shifted my mindset a lot. I'll talk about those in a second, but when I got into my first year coaching high school baseball, I still was kind of in that hard nose, no time for excuse to, excuses. 
I was starting to get a little more invested in those kids. Um, I remember that first group of guys. Ben Keen was the head coach, and I was the assistant coach. And that first group of guys was guys like Jay Cardi, Stone Osborne, Jr. Parker, uh, Winburn, or not Winburn, Winfield. Sorry, Parker. Um, that was that was an important group of guys for me. Um, I I hit it off extremely well with those guys in that team uh, because they were the first group that I really coached, and I kind of was going through some life changing stuff. Um, some eye-opening stuff as a coach at the same time. So that's really when things started to form for me was that group, and then it just really took the next step on the next year's group, which was um, that next year group. The next group that year was, uh, let's see, that was Landon Matthews, Aiden Palmer, Hunter Matthews, Hunter McClary, um, uh, who am I? Who am I forgetting? Chandler Thompson, um, Evan Coleman. That was all those guys. That because that was the first time I was a head coach, and then the year after that was, um, you know, the guys like Noah, Nathan. Um, I just said Chandler like two years too early. My bad, Chandler. Um, but anyways, that's. That's kind of where where we were at at the time. So I'm making that transition from transformational to transaction, or from transactional to transformational, right there around that 2018 time frame. Um, I remember when I first started coaching high school baseball. And I've told y'all this story. Um, you know, it's like, man, I freaking played in high school. Like I played a little bit in college. I know everything. I'm the greatest coach in the world, and I just got humbled really fast. Uh, but anyways, so the thing there, there's two things that kind of two, well, there's a lot of people, but there's two kind of critical events that kind of started helping shift this mindset from transactional to transformational. And the first one, I don't remember how I ended up listening to this podcast, but it's, it was called, it was the ABCA podcast at the time. And it was hosted by a guy named Coach Jeremy Sheetinger. Sheets is what they call him. It was the ABCA podcast then, and now it's called the Dugout Chatter Podcast. There's still an ABCA podcast, and it's actually good in its own way. Um, but I just, no offense to the ABCA podcast now, I just really, I, I like the format and, and the stuff from, from the Dugout Chatter Podcast a little bit better. So, um, But I, I still listen to both. Um, so anyways, I accidentally stumbled across the ABCA podcast, and... Um, this guy named Jeremy Sheetinger is the host, and he's talking about all these things, you know, pure audio gold and, you know, relationships. It just didn't resonate with me at the time. Um, I don't know why it just didn't, but I just kept listening, and, you know, Tim Corbin's on there. Well, everybody knows who Tim Corbin is. He's one of the greatest coaches to coach this game. Um, Mike Bianco, uh, then, you know, you got these high school coaches, like Butch Chaffin, Chuck Box, Adam Mosley, you know, guys like this. So I'm, I'm listening to these high school coaches talk, and even these college guys who are, like, the best of the best in the college game, and uh, and even Sheets. I mean, Sheets is top-notch. I could listen to that guy talk all the time, but 
um, you know, the common denominator with them is they're not up there talking about, you know, all right, you know, here's the best time to call the hit and run. And, you know, here's the way we play blunt coverages. And here's our first, they're not talking about X's and O's. Um, they're talking about developing men, right? They're talking about the failures they had as coaches early in their career and, you know, blah, 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 just all this stuff. They're focused on the wrong things. Um, then they talk about the things they're doing today to ensure that they're putting the development of young men at the forefront of everything that they do. And I'm listening to all this, and it's starting to just really kind of make an impact on me because it's like, okay, well, if that's the if that's the way, and then it it always took me back to my high school days of like, I mean, that's how we were coached. Like we were coached hard, but like it still was all about the development. I mean, not all of it, but I mean, it was about the development of men too. I mean, that's Coach Gray did a great job of developing us into people, um, good people. So, except for me, I took a couple bad turns along the way, but you can lead them to the water, Coach, but you can't make them drink. But um. You know, that was the big thing for me. That started a fundamental shift for me. Um, and then I don't know why this specific uh, coach, like, really hammer, meat, head of nail with me. Um, but there was a coach by the name of Matt Deggs. Coach Deggs. And I think a lot of people, I linked the video of his interview in the, in, uh, the article I wrote. But um, it was one of the best interviews I ever saw, and it was after Sam Houston State lost to Florida State in the Super Regionals. Like, it was the first time ever Sam Houston State had done anything baseball-wise. Like, I think the year before they, like, won a conference championship or something like that, but this was, like, the school's first ever Super Regional. And, uh, you know, this guy's getting interviewed after the – after the loss, I mean, I'd never seen this guy before. I, like, didn't know Coach Deggs from anybody. Just like, okay, who's this guy? But, like, the thing that stood out is, like, everybody in the videos, like, just pouring tears. Like, this kid's big, like, pitchers, like, six, seven, looks like, is sitting next to this coach, and, like, he's bawling his eyes out. And I'm listening to this coach talk about how he spent 400 days out of the game, and, you know, he because he was fired, and all these – People are telling me, yeah, man, you remember when you were with A&M? And, and he's like, no, guys, I, I was fired. I wasn't there. And uh, so he talked about how he spent those 400 days going from a transactional coach to a transformational coach. And he's using words like love. Like he's literally telling the entire world, like, I love my players. I love my guys. Um, I care about these people more as people than I do as players. Um their love, my love for them and their value has nothing to do with this. And because of all these things, like these guys do things like this senior just gave his last bad ever to another senior who never played like, blah. and he's like telling all this stuff. And it's life changing moment for me. I'm like, Holy shit, man, this guy just lost a super regional in game three. Okay. And the first ever super regional, I mean, they were this close to Omaha. A program that's never even made it to a super they were that they were like, you know, six outs away from making it to Omaha. Right? And this guy's talking about love and he's talking about character and building men. Like I'm doing this shit all wrong, man. All wrong. And um 
it brought me back to the first man I looked up to as a coach, and that was Coach Kirk. I'm mean, outside of Kenny, outside of Coach Gray. First guy I looked up to, like while I was a coach, was Coach Kirk. And um, the only difference between him and Coach Deggs is they were talking about the same exact things, but it it really resonated with me because it was on a stage much bigger than a travel baseball tournament, you know coaching the Florence Mole Crickets. Um, so, I mean, I just remember watching that. I just remember watching that interview and listened to the way he talked about his guys, saw that emotion of the guys on stage who looked up to this man they called Coach. And I felt like that was the day I really took that big leap towards trying to change who I was internally um, as a coach. Because I just think you look at it and and life is too short. I mean, at the end of our lives, at the end of our lives, nobody's going to talk about, you know, how many games you won or lost. I I go back to Mike Leach, Coach Mike Leach. Um, I watched his memorial service after he passed away. And uh, there wasn't a single person out there. Nobody said anything about wins and losses. Uh, They all talked about what, Mike Leach did for him as men, you know, the the chance that Coach Leach took on them, you know, this time Coach Leach did this, one time I did this and Coach Leach did that, you know, and the impact he had on all of them. And that right there is what it's all about. Like, at the end of my life, I want, I want about five things to be said about me. Uh, number one, I was a great husband, and I was a great father, okay? Number two, I was a great Christian. Uh, And, you know, it's – I think a lot of people would reverse the order on that. I'm just not there right now. I'm not not at that point yet with my own faith where I'm willing to say, you know, I'll put that for – and don't judge me because of it. If you do, that's fine. It's just, you know, I love my wife and my kids. You know, so to me, like my ultimate judgment I feel like should be – where you're a great husband, where you're a great father. Um, and that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, you should be a great Christian, number number one. I I, I do agree with that, but anyways. <clears throat> so, and then finally, you know, after all that, you know, were you, were you a great coach? And I don't mean were you a great coach. Uh, hey, man, when you were the assistant coach there, they won 100 games. Like, that – Nobody's going to remember that. Even if I was a head coach somewhere, um, nobody's going to talk about that. What they're going to talk about is like, how did you, how did you leave it? Did you leave it better than you found it? Um, what kind of impact did you have on young men? Did you build them up? Did you break them down? Um, or did you break them down? Um, were they prepared to go out in the world and be great Christians, be great husbands, be great fathers? Um, be great at whatever it is that they want to be great at. And um, that's ultimately what we're going to be judged by. Not money, not how much money is in our 401k, not what kind of house we lived in, how much life insurance we left. We're not going to be judged by that stuff, right? We're going to be judged by something much, much more bigger than that. Or much, uh, is that even more more bigger? Much bigger than that. Um, And that's what's important. So, it was a blessing that I was able to see that. Now, 
it wasn't because I was looking for it. It was just because, you know, sometimes somebody says something and you're like, dang, that stuck. That hit hard. Yeah. I mean, there's been that that was one of those moments in my life where I saw something that stuck and hit hard because, I mean, you kind of I go back to like the things, the sacrifices you make as coaches. If you're not going out there and feeling like you're spending your days coaching with 28 or 30 or 25 of your own sons, like, what are you doing? So you're you're taking time away from your own family for what? So you can beat your chest one day and say, man, I won 72% of the games. I No, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I, that's what it came down to for me. So, anyways, enough about the personal stories there. Um, so I did put together a list of um, what I felt like the significant differences were between transactional coaches and transformational coaches. And it boiled down to five things. And these are five things that I kind of, this could be totally wrong. It's just what I feel. So if you disagree, that's okay. We can talk about it. But um, transa- number one, transactional coaches are looking at their players, asking them, what are you going to do for me today? Right? You going to help me win today? You going to make me look good today? You going to make me look like the hero today, right? Transformational coaches are looking at their players and they're trying to make sure there's nothing they haven't done to help them. To make sure uh they want to make sure they put them in the best position as a person and a player to be successful. That's what a transformational coach is doing. Um yeah. Transactional coach isn't going to walk in and ask the kid, you know, how's day went. You know, somebody dies, they go to the funeral, they bury somebody that day. That player still wants to show up and play ball that day. Transactional coach isn't going to, you know, wrap his arm around and tell him he loves them, make sure they're okay. Transformational coach, though, you're going to do that because they care about that kid because that kid can't compete in a good, can't be in a good space as a player having lost somebody if. He doesn't know that his coach cares about him as a man first. Um, I think that's extremely important. Um, and, and and I've talked about tough conversations a lot, right? Transactional coach probably not going to have a tough conversation because he doesn't want to take that kid out of his best his best mindset uh, to compete. Um, transformational coach, he's probably going to have a tough conversation. Maybe even in moments he shouldn't have it in just because it's going to propel growth. Or I don't even know if that made sense. It's going to propel growth. Uh, promote. It's going to promote growth, not propel. Idiot. I don't know how to edit this stuff either. So y'all are going to have to deal with it. Sorry. Um, promotes growth, right? Because it's not about, again, it's not about right this moment. It's about. The end game. What's the end game? Am I preparing you for the end? So um, that's number one. Number two, transactional coaches measure their value in wins and losses. Transformational coaches measure their value in the quality of the men they send out into the world. Okay. Are they great husbands, great fathers? Are they great men? That's what transformational coaches want to do. They want to build great men. And listen, we all love to win. Okay. that The underlying thing here is, Winning is automatic, like, but whether we win or don't win, it doesn't change what these young men are 
to us is is the point like i i don't want anybody listening to this be like man this freaking quack right here he just talks about all this stuff like he needs to be talking to these kids about winning yeah we talk about that um but the winning takes care of itself in the end and i'll talk about that here in a minute but anyways yeah so none of that's going on but um number three transactional coaches only care about the outcome transformational coaches love the process right I can tell you the journey every year with these kids because we always start high and some stuff goes wrong and we end up down at a low. I mean, we don't try to get too low, don't want to get too high. Um, But that journey from August to the end of July, I love it. Everybody's like, man, I know you guys are glad to have some time off. It's like, well, it's not bad to rest, but like a weekend and I miss it already. Um, Because I love the process. You just love being with the guys. Uh, You love seeing the growth that they make over the course of a thousand hours of being with each other. Um, There's kids right now. uh, There's kids right now. I mean, I can think of five of them on our team right now that the amount of growth that they've had in the last two weeks, uh, just the last two weeks, they're a different person today than they were two weeks ago. When you take that back to August, I mean, it's they're miles from where they were. You take it back to where they were last year to where they are at this time, I mean, we're talking about totally different side of the planet. Um, that's like... The fun part of this, uh, we're starting. I, I said this on the last podcast. Like, we're at that point right now with our baseball team, and and I may look like an idiot in two weeks, um, but you see the way that they work with each other. You see the way that um, they're getting after it. The way they're holding each other accountable and stuff. This might be the best team I've ever coached. Team. They might. I, I don't think they're the most talented group I've ever coached, top to bottom. They're talented, but uh, as a team, they're the best team I've ever coached. I, I feel very confident saying that. Um, and I hope they'll continue. And part of why I'm, you know, I don't know if any of them listen to this or not. If, if you are listening, I mean, this that's my challenge to you guys is keep playing for the guy on the left and right more than you're playing for yourself. Want more for that guy than you want for yourself. Everything else is going to take care of itself. Um, I love the process. That was the point of that long dissertation. Um, Number four, transactional coaches only look to improve the player. Transformational coaches look to improve the man. I probably could have taken two, three, and four and mixed them together and just had like a three-bullet point list. But um, Because now I look at it, those three kind of fall in with each other. Um, I think... For me, I've always felt like, not always, 10 years ago I would have told you, well, if you want a player to be a great hitter, uh, we got to take thousands of reps in the cage, right? You do need to take thousands of reps in the cage, but uh, as a man, you got to develop some things too because we talk about this. Baseball is all about 
I mean, it's a game where Hall of Famers fail seven out of ten times, right? So the game literally is all about who handles failure the best. Um, it really has nothing to do with who handles success the best because, you know, anybody can handle success. Now, if you handle success the wrong way, you know, it can kill your team chemistry and things like that. But, I mean, the the best guys, it takes mental toughness, okay, it takes courage to wake up and want to come back out and do it all over again when you're over your last 10. It just does. Um, this game will kill you uh, mentally. It'll crush you physically. But, I mean, the big things that it'll do is just absolutely crush you mentally. Um, and it's the biggest morale-killing sport in the world. Coach, uh, Coach Rhodes says this all the time. Go out there and uh, hit three out of ten free throws. Go complete three out of ten passes, right? Go hit three tennis balls out of ten in, in. I, don't, I was about to say in bounds, like idiot. Uh, but anyways, um, you're not very good. Baseball, you got three for ten, you're pretty good, okay? Um, but my point is, like, when we say improve the man, well, Part of being a great hitter is being a great competitor. And being a great competitor is more about, like, that's a life thing. That's not just a baseball thing. That's, I'm going to be the best competitor whether I'm in the classroom, whether I'm at work, competing for a job, whether I'm on the field, um, whatever. That's just a mindset, right? So that's what I mean by uh, improve the man. Because we have to build that kid up so he can have that confidence to go out there and compete, right? The last thing I have here is transactional coaches only win when they have great players. Transformational coaches win with less talent because they have uh, because they have great teams, in parentheses. And that was kind of to my point that I just made five minutes ago about the team we have now. Um <clears throat> You look at the history of South Florence baseball, this team is definitely not the most talented team to come through South Florence. It's not. Um, they've got a lot of talented teams. But uh, transfer, they're tra- I think they're a transformational team. I think they're going to go out there and they're going to do some really great things because they're a great team. They're a great unit. Um, so those are my five things that kind of, break down the difference between transactional coaches, transactional programs, and transformational coaches and programs. So hope you enjoyed that list. Uh, I'd be interested to get some feedback from you if if you disagreed with anything on that list or if there's anything you'd like to add to that list. Um, But a couple more things and I'll get out of here. So uh, one of the most important things we have to do as coaches is constantly check in where we are on the spectrum as far as transactional versus transformational. And I think for most of us, myself included, um, we're not always on as far on the right side of the transformational spectrum as we'd like to be. And uh, that's okay because we can't be perfect. You know, There's going to be some days where we don't do things, you know, the best. I mean, it just is what it is. Um but it does take a intentional focus on our part to truly commit to being transformational. Anybody can have a bad day. Uh, you have a few bad days at the ballpark. You're on a three, four game losing streak. It's really easy to start feeling the pressure of okay, eh, we need to 
stop the bleeding here, you know. Um, that's normal. But uh, I think the thing I always come back to in my life is, as a coach, I always know that whether we win tonight or lose tonight, like I want to win because winning's fun. Uh, it teaches great habits and everything else. But at the end of the day, um, our biggest wins are going to come far, far, far down the line, right? When these kids are older, getting married, having kids, you know, stuff like that. So um, if I know my biggest wins are still in front of me, then the value on the scoreboard isn't really all that. Um, we know that our values and what we do to the people around us, how we make them feel, and what kind of impact that has on the rest of their life. Um, do those kids know we love them? Do they know we care about them? Do they know we lay down in front of a bus for them? Um yeah, if the answer is yes, honestly, the winning part on the scoreboard is probably going to take care of itself anyways because them dudes are going to play hard. They're going to be trying to stomp a hole in everybody they play his rear end. Um, everybody, from the guy who's leading off to the guy who doesn't play an inning. You know, they all want a piece. Um, all this stuff takes care of itself. So when you guys, and this is, I've talked with everybody, we've, talk about this frequently actually um i think those guys know we care about them um and when high school age kids especially know you're in it for for them not in it for you they'll run through a brick wall for you and i can tell you right now if you've got nine guys on your team that'll run through a brick wall for you um i'll show you a team that's probably not going to lose very often so I guess that brings us to the final question. Why do transformational teams win? Okay. They win because every everyone is doing everything they can to not let the guy to their left and their right down. Everyone with a stake, uh, stake in the program cares more about the brother than they do for themselves. I take this that last final statement all the way back to the lessons I learned at Back Truck Baptist, the one lesson that stood with me more than anything. Okay. And that was uh, – wanting more for your brother than you want for yourself. I try to remind our guys of that story every day. You know, our little routine before we play games is we go down the left field line. Coach Gray goes over to signals. Then he pieces back to the dugout. Then Rhodes, he gives his little, you know, he normally has three or four bullet points that he reminds them of. And then I give them some type of talk that's normally based around these things. Seniors, you're doing you're doing something today that's going to be the first of many last. Okay, um, that's what I start my talk off with every time. You know, hey, you know, this opening day, this is your last opening day. Treat it that way. You know, this senior night, this is your last senior night in high school. Treat it that way. Leave everything out there. Leave no regrets. You know, I normally go down that path to begin with, but then I always try to finish it with. <clears throat> I always try to finish it with. Play for the guy on your left and play for the guy on your right, okay? Because if you do those things, everything else – if you've got everybody playing for the guy on his left and the guy on his right, then at all times you've got somebody playing for you. So you don't have to play for you. You play for them. Everybody else is playing for you. I mean, that's the way it works. So trying to help them understand that. And I think, again, this group is a group of kids that they actually bought into that. Um, last year's group – they bought into it, certain ones of them, not not all of them. I felt like that was our, our Achilles tendon last year is we had a really good team. 
we just had too many individuals within that team. And I just feel things are different this year. Um, but anyways, so that's going to wrap it up. How long did I talk? 43 minutes. Dang, gum, that's a long time to talk about a short article. Whew, all right, I got to shorten these down. Um, anyways, all right, well, look, um, again, oh, I meant to tell you all this. So one of my original articles is going to be published in the ABCA um, Inside Pitch magazine, which is a, a big deal. So a lot of that came from y'all reading it and sharing it and stuff like that. So thank y'all for that. Um, so that's that. And then, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for commenting, retweeting, liking, subscribing, um, all that stuff. I appreciate it more than you know. The only thing I would ask is if you have feedback, let me know. Um, Because without feedback, like some of the feedback I've gotten, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. And if that's not working for everybody, I want to know because I want this to impact as many people as possible. So, But anyways, that's all I've got. It's 11 o'clock. Big weekend for the Bruins. Everybody, root for us. If you can't be there, follow us on Game Changer. We should have a live stream of the game tomorrow night. Live stream of the game uh, Saturday. Um, definitely we'll have a live stream Monday and Tuesday. So we'll have a live stream all week. If you're not following us on Game Changer, search for South Lawrence Bruins Varsity, South Lawrence Bruins JV. You can follow us there, uh, see all the games live and in color. Appreciate everything. Everybody have a great night, and I will talk to you soon. See ya.